0: Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast.
2: We're coming to H-Time. Let's get work in, man. Let's go. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Friday to all of you. Happy Football Friday to all of you. We have actual football to get to. We've got actual coaching searches to get to. we got all kinds of stuff to get to today. It's good to be with you. We are with you till 10 a.m. this morning. Brooks Cabina will join us in the 7 o'clock hour from the Houston Chronicle. We'll talk... About the Texans head coaching search with him and a lot of twists and turns, not just with the Texans head coaching search, but head coaching searches in general that we will get into. I am Sean Pendergast. He is Seth Payne. How you doing, bud?
3: I'm good, man. I'm trying to keep my head straight as we enter. We've got two playoffs going on this weekend, Sean. We've got the NFL playoffs Mm -hmm. and then we've got the Texans coaching candidate playoff. Mm -hmm. And the two intermingle in the Eagles versus Giants game. Where three three Texans candidates will will clash head to head. Boy,
2: that is an angle I've not thought of yet. We get
3: Kafka v. Gannon, Kafka on, v. Gannon, yeah. and Steichen v. the other guy that we're not talking. That's to. right. Yeah. That's
2: well, that's Steichen versus Wink Martindale.
3: Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, another another coaching candidate, but that not one for the Texans. No, but so, one for
2: the Colts. I believe he's interviewing. One, with the Colts. Yeah, so.
3: Mr. Bronny, Mr. Bronnydale. Yeah, he's yeah. like. Uh, He's like a a Bruce Arians on testosterone therapy, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. Or maybe a Rex Ryan on testosterone therapy. Don't tell Rex I said that. He'll get nasty.
2: (laughs) That'd be good for the show, though. Rex Ryan going after us would be good for the show.
3: It would be good. It's good for Rex. It's good for us. It's good for everybody. Uh, I'd physically threaten him. Then it would get really good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: The big thing today, today is D'Amico Day. It is D'Amico Ryan's day today, and I'm assuming this is a Zoom interview Unless the Texans are flying yes. to go see D'Amico, no,
3: yeah, yeah. Kyle Shanahan talked about that because okay. uh, both his coordinators are interviewing, so um, they'll be uh, uh, zoomy zoom. D'Amico's is today; the other one was yesterday. Okay, but, yeah, little window there. Yep,
2: yep. So, um, so today is D'Amico Day. Um, what are your, I guess, thoughts, concerns, bullet points heading into this interview? This is a big interview because I. We'll get, yeah. into the, we'll get into this in the next segment. I, I think it's it's pretty clear for most people, the two candidates that have sort of bubbled to the surface for the Texans yeah. in terms of wanting them as the next head coach. D'Amico's always been there. The Sean Payton thing has been sort of a the last couple weeks like, wow, they're interviewing Sean Payton. And then Sean Payton said some nice things about the Texans. And then we heard the cowherd comments yesterday, which dampened some of the spirits. It appears the possession arrow for Payton is pointed at Denver right now. We'll get into that in the next segment. Yeah, so I'm Dem-
3: disagreeing with you on that. So we'll we'll, we'll check. Okay, about that. good, good, good.
2: Yeah. Um, so, uh, so, but D'Amico, who's your favorite, has been your favorite all along. What are you? So he's your favorite. So do you have concerns? Are you enthused going into this? How are you feel? <laughs> my right my now? biggest
3: concern is the same one as anybody else's, which is that as a defensive-minded coach in the modern NFL, you do have certain challenges, which is that, um, that. You know, if you, you might have all the head coach qualities, but you've got to be able to hire and manage and perhaps train your next offensive coordinator. So, uh, and and it's funny because, you know, Mike Tomlin for a long time would have been the go-to guy and still is in some respects the go-to guy to point to and say, hey, defensive minded coach, he's had success. He's had a Hall of Fame quarterback playing for him. And... The response would be, "Yeah, have you checked in with him lately? Because there's been a Todd Haley, Mike Canada issue going on here. And Mike Canada, the offensive coordinator for the for the Steelers, was uh, announced that he would be retained. Or I guess there was a no announcement that he would be fired yesterday, and uh, or was that two days ago? Regardless, Steelers fans are not happy about that. And I think, did I say Mike Canada? Yeah, it's Canada. Matt. I went to high school with a kid named Mike. It's Canada. Matt
2: Canada. Yeah, man,
3: I know it's Matt. I know. I've got a, I've got a high school." <laughs> you know how this works so Canada <laughs> um it's so it's not so simple that's a big challenge so that's I think one of the the biggest items that they'll talk about with D'Amico Ryans is just exactly what is your plan obviously for offensive coordinator but also do you have a plan for how you're going to incubate or find the next offensive coordinator right
2: um I, I would be really excited about D'Amico, and it's the, the way you kind of frame that, like I, the the need to probably, if you're successful, hire new offensive coordinators along the way. Look, first of all, that would be a great problem for this organization to have: is that right, their offensive right. coordinators are doing so well that D'Amico, Ryan's, or whoever the head coaches needs to keep a pipeline of them in the top right drawer of his desk. Which which leads yeah. me to. I think D'Amico is going to be a really good head coach. I, the motivational stuff, the communication skills, everything, he just strikes me as a really intelligent guy, like a really smart dude who's going to know that in any walk of life, when you have turnover and you hire people, that for the most important positions, you need to have a depth chart of guys that you're immediately calling, that you've met through the years, or that you've met at the Combine, or that you he's going to use those opportunities to build a network. You know what I mean? Like.
3: No, no, I'm just thinking about the other guy. The other gold, gold standard for, yeah, hire a defensive-minded coach would be um, Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick. <laughs> Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's you a, were on you a know, roll with that, Tomlin. <laughs> he built that pipeline to where he ended up using that pipeline that he would built to hire his uh, very mediocre defensive coordinator yeah. as, a, as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It yes. doesn't always work. <laughs> well, it was a competition with the special teams coordinator. You right. see? Yes. So it was once you see iron sharpens iron, Sean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fact as old as time. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I felt like a, that might've been a heat check by Belichick more than anything. Let's see if I can win with Matt Patricia calling the plays. All right. Now I just need to act like a conventional organization again and go get Bill O'Brien to call the plays. Um, so um, I, I think uh, we can put to bed the fact that D'Amico's interviewing for this because we still get people bringing this up. Hey, guys, you remember he sued the team back in the day.
3: Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. He did. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> he did. There's um, it was a – it's a, along the lines of like a workers' comp suit. That that, that old field was a mess. And <laughs> <laughs> if anything, somebody needed to say something. I Poor Seth Payne, early stalwart of the team – Tore his hamstring off his pelvis on that crappy field. Uh, If I'd had a D'Amico Ryan's there to stand up for me, then who knows (laughs) what might have happened to that youngster? Yeah. All right. So his life might not have turned into the wreck that it is now. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
2: (laughs) I'm up at five in the morning every day telling jokes with Sean Pendergast on the air.
3: But the other the other thing too, though, Sean. Yeah. Seriously, though. Yes. Sean McDermott. Wait, is that his name or is that somebody in Buffalo? No, that's. Are you talking about the Buffalo head coach? Yeah, just checking. That's his. So uh, Sean McDermott, defensive-minded head coach, he has his team deep into the playoffs with uh, a mixture of good defense and Josh Allen, pretty much single-handedly winning football games for them. Yet also almost single-handedly costing okay, them games. That that's yeah. where
2: that that's interesting that you bring up McDermott because I feel like the theme of this is okay. We like D'Amico, but he's a defensive head coach. So what what you know what what are the concerns moving forward to the offense? Yeah, the Bills are they're in the playoffs. They're probably going to play in the AFC title game. We'll see. Uh, Josh Allen has put a season together where you know twenty five other teams in the league would easily take this season from their quarterback, maybe more. Yeah. He's not looked as good this year as he did with Brian Dayball the last couple years. There is something about Jamie's He's turning the ball I, over a little bit more.
3: Yeah, I, I think he's turned the ball over, but I don't know. Um, I think otherwise, I mean, he's been very good. Their offense sure. is very good. Yeah. They're routinely scoring 30 points, and I think he – I mean, he just – he makes a lot of very, very impressive plays from game to game. He's just had these curious turnovers, um, and that's where – I don't, yeah, I don't know how to balance that out. Was Dayball responsible for just limiting the turnovers? Yeah. And it's as simple as that. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Um, former players coaching their former teams. How has this worked before? I'm looking at this. You've got this in the rundown here. This is good stuff. Bart Starr, not so good in Green Bay. Uh, Art Shell in Oakland. Twice, actually, in Oakland. Yeah. Uh, worked out okay the first time, then went two and fourteen. That was weird when they yeah. brought back Art Shell. Mike Ditka is probably the gold standard for this.
3: I'd say Mike Ditka, who and and it's interesting because all three of those guys are Hall of Fame players. Yeah, and who went back to coach their respective teams. There's really not that many NFL players who have gone back and coached their own team. It's so it, it's uh, it's kind of a it's an exclusive club. It hasn't worked out so so great. Yeah, Archell second time around. He was two and fourteen, one and done. Ditka was very very good, and um, I guess George. I didn't know what to do with George Hallis because George <laughs> Hallis basically founded the team, played yeah. on it, and then remained as coach and owner for like uh, eighty nine years. Feels like so, an outlier. <laughs> I would say success. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. He's got a trophy named after him. All right. Um. So Payne and Pendergast. Today is D'Amico Day. Um. So we are off and running with that. All right. I feel like Denver might be in the leader might be the leader in the clubhouse for Sean Payton. Seth may disagree with that. So we will uh, we will debate and discuss that next.
0: Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast.
2: Payne and Pendergast with you on a uh, football Friday. Here was... Okay, brace yourselves, people. I know we've been playing more Colin Cowherd in the last two days than we've played in the last two years. I get it. But for whatever reason, Texans head coaching candidate Sean Payton has chosen to make Colin Cowherd his mouthpiece for all the things he's thinking
3: about. He's you feel really good about if he gets hired as head <laughs> coach, his doesn't jobs. it? I they know, work. I know. This Colin Coward will become like the, the king of all media. and uh. <laughs> Dude, that's enough to scare me off of having Peyton as the head coach here. A lot of people, people tell you, that Sean Payton and the Texans aren't any good just because they're two and twelve. Right. But here's what they're missing. Let me make an analogy to Warren Buffett. <laughs> <laughs> it's like
2: the movie Goodfellas,
3: uh, where, <laughs> you know, you know, like when me and all my fictitious friends get together and we have conversations um... like about boobs and stuff that's kind of like how yeah
2: dude he's
3: (laughs) actual real friends
2: evidently with sean payton or at least sean payton has has dinner with him to feed him all
3: right here we go hey hey colin guess what i heard (laughs) a couple of chatty gals (laughs) they are they are more tequila (laughs) 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 wednesday means wine day (laughs) half price (laughs) (laughs) all right Let's go get our manis and our patties and chop it up about Russell Wilson.
2: Here is, speaking of which, here is Colin Cowherd yesterday uh, talking about uh, Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos, and Sean Payton.
0: They believe in Denver. Sean can fix it. Sean, I know, can fix it. And Russell Wilson has contacted Sean, legally, by the way, uh, you know, through channels. He wants Sean Payton. He needs fixing. He knows he needs fixing. So when I look at this situation, it's fairly clear. Great defense, right? Richest owners in the league, both impressed with each other, Solve the offensive line, free agency in the draft, and can Sean fix Russ? I believe the answer is yes.
2: Okay, I mean, that's a big question. <laughs> like I listened to this whole segment, and I didn't chop up the whole, that's the only cow herd you're going to hear in this segment. But... um. But boy, coward in this segment made it sound like the offensive line was the only real problem with the Denver Broncos. Like they got yeah. one big thing they got to fix, and I'm bracing myself. I'm like, yeah, Russ. He's like the offensive line, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, I, I know Russell you watch. Wilson. I know you watch football,
3: Colin. <laughs> Russell Wilson not seeing wide ass open receivers. Yeah. When he's clean in the pocket, has nothing to do with it. It's all about – and not to mention the fact that Russell Wilson hadn't been playing all that well in Seattle either, and people had all kinds of excuses for him. Yeah. And Geno Smith came back and, uh, and had the best season he's ever had. Yep. So, yeah, this is um, – boy, Colin is doing a marvelous I – I wonder if he's getting a commission. I wonder if Colin Coward's getting a commission off of Sean Payton for trying to like, increase his value I somehow. think the
2: commission is he gets to go out to dinner with Sean Payton for four hours. That's yeah. the commission, yeah. Yeah. I think At he likes lit. that.
3: Yeah, I would say uh, he didn't really... I guess Peyton didn't leak this story about Russell Wilson calling him. He just flat out gave him the story.
2: To Colin, right? yeah, I mean, he said, "Well, and you notice, you notice Colin kind of caveating there. He's like, legally, by the way, through channels. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, It yeah, might have yeah. been an oops you moment didn't want there. A Tom Herman situation. <laughs> it might have been an oops Kyle moment. Allen.
3: Imagine selling your soul for Kyle Allen.
2: Uh, the oh god. The um. The, here's the thing. I. The the part about Russ wanting Sean Payton there, I don't think it was a big surprise. He just had to deal with Nathaniel Hackett for a year, who wouldn't want Sean Payton as their head coach, especially if you're a quarterback who's yeah. floundering right now. Um, it's all the things where he lists all the great things about Denver Seth, like the ownership group and the great defense and yeah. you know, this and that where I go, <clears throat> Okay. You know, unless this is just posturing where Payton's trying to get one of the other the other Uh, Ownership groups that he's interviewing with to get off the pot and up the ante or make them feel a little pressure or whatever, which could be going on. Who knows what's true this time of year in the draft and coaching searches or whatever. I I, and you know me, I'm easily sold to. um, I'm feeling like Denver might be the if he's going to stay if he's going to coach next year. I'm feeling like Denver is the favorite right now.
3: Yeah i i don't under I don't see how it could be, Sean. Um, For very like transparent non. Sean Payton, Colin Coward, uh, cloak-and-daggerish reasons. Okay. It's, one, um, the Saints are requiring a first-round draft pick, or at least something similar to that, and the Broncos have very little draft capital. So, Sean Payton would be going to a team that already is at a deficit in terms of draft capital, and then will be without... Maybe two or three more second round picks. I mean, Well, they, are,
2: they've, they've got a first from the Bradley Chubb trade, just to be clear. Oh, that's on right. That. That's yeah. right. Yep. yep.
3: So, um, but they have very, very little draft capital. They do, yes. And they have Russell Wilson as their quarterback, and I don't give a damn who anybody says about anything. That wasn't an offensive coordinator issue this year. And, and it wasn't the last two years. So, I mean, it was an awful offense in Seattle two years ago. Really bad. The the Seahawks were a bad team. This is the second year in a row that Russell Wilson has been on bad teams. And I'd ask you, like, it's, it's relatively rare for a genuinely good quarterback to be on even one bad team, one bad season. And now he's had two really bad seasons in a row, this year on a team that was otherwise positioned to play very well. So I'm not going to blame all that on Nathaniel Hackett necessarily. I think that the Russell Wilson being guaranteed as much money as he is um, with a lack of draft picks because of the Russell Wilson trade. Uh, I, I, if he goes to Denver, it's a complete cash grab. Okay. It's just flat out he wants his $100 million, to which point I'd say, okay, good riddance. I don't, and then again, I, like, I, don't, I feel like this is all just posturing to get him a better contract at Fox. Where frankly he's kind of boring and dull and uh, sourpuss. He's got a Brandon Cooks look on his face all the time. <laughs> I don't need uh, I don't need I don't need grumpiness on my nonsensical cable television sports shows. Damn it! I will say this.
2: I, I mean, you, you, I agree with the general point about where he's going to wind. I agree. Like I I do feel like if he's not going to, I do feel like there's a decent chance, a really good chance, he winds up back in TV. My thing with Denver is if he coaches, then then I think it's Denver. And I don't disagree that it's a cash grab. I said the same thing to Lopez leaving the studio yesterday. We were talking about the various openings that Peyton's interviewing for. And as we're hashing it out, I'm going, man, Denver's a way bigger cash grab than the Texans would be. The Texans is one where you're actually kind of, you know, you are getting your hands in the clay and you're building something that's your own. You're not just taking over a janky 34-year-old quarterback. Um, This was not a great hiring cycle for Peyton to throw his hat into the ring, to be honest with you. Like in in, in, in the end – he may have said, you know what, I'm going to sit out a year and I'm going to come back in 2023. And then you look up and there's only five jobs. And, the, like the, the, and that's it. Like The, the, the Rams yeah. job didn't open. The Chargers job didn't open. The Cowboys job didn't open. My guess is he was counting on either, the char- either one of the LA jobs, because he lives in LA, or the, the Dallas job, because I'm sure he's got a house in Dallas. He was counting on one of those jobs to open up. None of them did. So you're left with a total rebuild in Houston. You're left with... Having to repair Russell Wilson in denver you're left with having to go off the grid in Carolina somewhere with a team that's just middling you're left with Jim Ursay and you're left with Arizona going and hiring a general manager before they even interview you like it's just that's
3: right yeah which it, which again I mean depending on how he feels about that general general manager doesn't have to be a a complete deal buster right. or killer but it's I because i don't I do uh, as much as I'm feeling peeved that Sean Payton right now I don't think that he's some maniacal control freak any more so than the normal NFL head coach is a maniacal control freak. I think that he worked well alongside Mickey Loomis for 15 years. And I don't, so I think that he, I think that a situation like Arizona could work out, but they've got, there is no perfect situation. And it's like, it's like Sean Payton himself was saying to Colin Coward on his show, I mean, Guy teams that are searching for head coaches are almost always in a bad position. Yeah, it's rare that it's just the guy that it's not, it's not a Bill Cowher type of situation where you just feel like all right, it's good. I'm time, I'm done. It's you know it's it's time for me to go. And
2: you take over so, a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. Yeah, you know, like like Tom. Like the did. Bucks
3: could have been a good situation if it hadn't had like eighteen wrenches thrown in. Yeah, it. yeah.
2: We should mention Peyton was supposed to interview with the Panthers today. Uh, sad news out of Charlotte that's been put on hold Dave Tepper the owner his wife and other team officials had to return to Charlotte on Thursday night after the death of a uh, Charlotte FC soccer player by the name of Anton walks I believe I'm pronouncing. hopefully I'm pronouncing that right um, died in a boating accident so he owns that team as well uh, Tepper does so uh, they are on their way back to Charlotte so we don't know what the timeline is now for the uh, Peyton interview with the Carolina Panthers all right um Tyler Milner tweeted this out yesterday. It's the divisional round of the playoffs, so it's not the exact anniversary calendar-wise, but it is the anniversary of the weekend in the playoffs where three years ago the demise of the Texans began. Where were you when the Texans imploded in Kansas City three years ago? That is next.
0: Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Here's Carter at the one-yard line, straight ahead, 5, 10, 15, cuts right, 20, and the ball is out, and the Chiefs got it. Thompson running left inside the 10, and he's down to the 8-yard line. Darwin Thompson, a running back, had the ball pop right into his hands, and the Chiefs have a first and goal. Here's Brian Anger. At the Houston 17-yard line, Weeks will snap it. Justin Reed calling signals on punt team. On fourth down and four, and it's a fake. Reed running to the right side, and Reed's going to be short at the
2: 34-yard line. He doesn't make it. All right, that was uh, that was the last time the Texans played in a postseason game, and this is the this is the NFL calendar anniversary of it. The season's a week longer now, so it doesn't line up exactly as the anniversary. But the divisional round three years ago, was the last time the Texans were a uh, relevant football team? Tyler Milner posted th- this on Twitter last night, and I think he's doing it. Seth is kind of a way to, you know, little, as a form of therapy. You know, like we got to embrace the pain and get it washed out. We can't, we can't try to, you know, mask these feelings anymore. I guess or whatever. Yeah. But he said, uh, given that it's divisional playoff week, and I want to hear where you were when the Texans blew the twenty-four point lead in Kansas City. What was your reaction? When the game went final, where were you Seth when they blew it up I was um
3: I did a pregame show didn't I with you at the uh the the rustic, rustic? Yeah. yeah
2: yeah we were at the rustic
3: so we did a pregame show at the rustic and then I hurried home I can remember the discussion the Colin uh Bill Coward had just been announced to to the Hall of Fame did he not or something it was maybe were, was i I don't remember that wouldn't be uh so anyway um So I remember listening to that on the radio, or maybe they're having that discussion about it uh, on the radio. And then we uh, ended up, um, I ended up watching the game at home, but because my direct TV had been screwed up, I was trying to stream it. It was my first time streaming an important game, and I was so furious. Oh, wow. um, At the delay, at. The lack of a DVR, everything else. So it's come a long way, but it was a particularly miserable way to watch your team implode because I a lot of it was done via updates on Twitter, and then I would watch it four minutes later, maybe, uh, and only be able to watch it once. So it was, I was, uh, that, I was not happy, not happy that day. <laughs> I, was, for, I was already peeved even as the Texans were winning, and I was counting all my he- I, I was counting all my eggs. I was counting the eggs, even that hadn't even started growing within the chicken. I was talking smack to Kansas City folk. It was all kinds of. Uh, it was just. It was it, a rough. Game. It was a bizarre
2: game. Like I mean, it it sucked. Like I'm not gonna try to sugarcoat that. It was just weird. Like the the 24 nothing lead. I like it. There was never anything where I felt like that game was gonna be when they were up 24 nothing. I didn't feel the game was gonna be a blowout because the 24 nothing lead was a little phony. You know, not that they didn't earn it, but yeah. they got it in very odd bizarre ways a block punt for a touchdown a Tyreek Hill fumble at the Kansas City five that all they had to do was walk the ball into the end zone the next play
3: and the Chiefs that season and especially in the playoffs had already demonstrated an ability to like clockwork come back from big deficits yes you remember in the playoffs, they did it every damn game. Yep. They were down by double digits and came back. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, that that hadn't played out yet, but you knew they were capable of it. So yes. yeah, it never it never felt like a slam dunk. Yeah, it, at any point.
2: Um, so we're getting texts on this, obviously. Um, this is a trailer wheel and frame text page, by trailer the way. Wheel and frame. This is middle screen. Um, Tom middle screen. When the Texans imploded, I was at a friend's Christmas exchange. With my wife's friend, who doesn't own a TV, and we were all gathered around the coffee table, just looking at each other and talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
3: What a weird thing to do! <laughs> yeah. yeah, talk to human beings—that's crazy. He wasn't even like—he doesn't mean they were checking their phones or anything. Maybe he doesn't just having conversations. I just
2: read you the text as it's written, my friend. So it's, he,
3: so afterwards, he ended up. Just the learning of it, I guess,, on his phone.
2: yeah, I guess, yeah, so, uh,
3: oh, I can't imagine a worse thing than that, six two talking to people,
2: six two, I know,
3: six It is nice, s- it is nice when everybody puts their phones away,
2: six, two, six, nine, says you, six, two, six, nine, <laughs> uh, I was at the fire station, I remember going on a run and inside a patient's house and not paying attention to the patient and watching the game on their television. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Wait, a patient, did you say he was at the fire station? I was at
2: the fire station, and I I'm, and I remember going on a run, which okay. I'm assuming is...
3: Okay, like a run out to a situation.
2: I know Situation. call them
3: patients, but I guess that makes sense.
2: Inside a patient's I'm, house and not paying attention to the patient... And yeah. watching the game on their television <laughs> follow up. There was an ambulance and five other guys, so don't judge me. LOL
3: <laughs> Listen, uh, CPR is rarely effective anyway. So that was that that fate that fate was most likely sealed before I started ignoring that oh patient. Oh my god,
2: yeah. that's funny. That is funny. Uh, <laughs> one four three six. Bruh <laughs> anytime it begins with bruh. <laughs> yeah. Bruh. I was at work. I never, ever, ever, ever work on a Sunday. Oh, man. Come on, text page. I'm listening, Mark and Andre, and for some reason we always win whenever I listen to them. That's another story. I literally walked in the house at the point O'Brien pissed down his leg on fourth and one. Happy anniversary.
3: <laughs> oh, the infamous, uh, The well, there was the timeout.
2: There was Yeah, the timeout to then kick a field goal.
3: To kick a field goal, right. yeah. That was where we felt like. Everything was a miss. And they made the
2: field something goal. Was... They went up twenty-four nothing, but I remember it was fourth and one. I'm like, dude, you gotta keep your foot on the gas pedal against Kansas City. Like I don't care you're up twenty-one nothing. Threes yeah. ain't getting it done.
3: You know what? Uh, some people had pointed out later that it looked like there was confusion and that perhaps Deshaun didn't know which personnel group was in the game. Yeah. Because there was something he had um that whatever play they called um, I think Deshaun thought that they didn't have the right personnel to run it. So is that O'Brien's fault or is that Deshaun's fault? Let's blame both at this point. Well, O'Brien <laughs> like, took
2: uh, O'Brien took the fall for well, the press did, conference. Though. Yeah, he yeah. always
3: he was very good about that. He was old school in that respect. He was never ever ever going to blame a player. That's why, and it would get annoying because he would say, hey, "It starts with me. I got to coach better." But that's that's doing right by your players.
2: Wheatstraw says, "I was paragliding on the west coast of New Zealand while listening to the game on my Walkman." <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> Wait, <what? laughs> I'm just reading it. Is that from it? a movie? I'm just reading that, it. That's know. awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. It's definitely I, from a movie. Ben, is there a movie
2: where someone paraglides on the west coast of New Zealand?
3: With a Walkman. So.
2: Oh, with a Walkman, yeah.
3: Yeah. The Walkman was the giveaway. I feel
2: like we're going to start getting texts. Well, I was with the rest of the Alpha Betas while we were doing a spy cam on the Omegas. in the you know, like.
3: Plus, it seems like probably. Uh, paragliding isn't something you want to do for three hours I would imagine probably no. loses its thrill and you run out of gas paragliding definitely
2: isn't something I'd want to do while I'm listening to that game because I would just, <laughs>
3: yeah, just release the release, release the paraglide the <laughs> all right screw this <laughs> Say, fly, It's over. <laughs> take me near that cliff right <laughs> yeah. exactly that was like um I you know what I rented a uh, rented wave runners in Galveston this summer and the guy was super cool because it was pretty rough out that day and I was like, I don't know, let's let's go an hour. And he's like, Listen, man, I got to be honest with you, it's rough out there. Uh, you're you're not gonna enjoy an hour of it. Oh so really? I was Like how about forty five minutes? I'm pretty manly, and he's like, You're why don't you? We do a half hour. Like uh, we're pretty booked anyway, so like I don't need to kill you. Like um, yeah, man. I was the last the last seven minutes of that thirty minutes that I bought I was like, Oh, this is out. Yeah, the, the yeah. my kid if. If, uh, if it was time yet. it's a no. very honest
2: salesperson, not trying to upsell you like that. Well, I'm going to
3: go back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He knows. I'll go, back every, I'll go back and get a half hour on rough days every day.
2: Uh, it's about the long game. He not knows think,
3: that. Not think about just the water. That's the quality of the water that's splashing in my face. Yeah, no, divorce yourself over, of that. Yes. and over again. Yes.
2: 8-0, <laughs> this, we're, we're reading texts yeah. of where were people when the Texans blew the 24-point lead to Kansas City? 8058. Uh, on the Trailer Wheel and Frame text page, I was driving home from church, and when I got home, proceeded to be very
3: blasphemous. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. That's tough. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right, because it was an early game, of course. It was course. an early game on Sunday. That's, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Texans, uh, I want the Texans' new coach to put the Texans in a position where churchgoers don't have to so routinely be hoofing it home so quickly. Yep. You know, it's a, it is one of the downsides of the, the central time zone. you got one less hour lag between church and the football game.
2: Um, Greg Roman is out in Baltimore. He, they didn't say fired, but they, I guess once you're there a long enough period of time, they make it like, Hey, we're just
3: parting ways. They parted ways. Um, they had gotten worse, like for three consecutive years in terms of points scored. They've, they've set records as a rushing offense to which the modern NFL says, Cool. Enjoy your regular season success. At some point, you're going to run up against somebody that can way, 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 way outpass you in the playoffs, no matter how good a rushing offense you have. And that uh, Lamar Jackson has obviously just stagnated when it comes to developing as a passer. I don't know. I, I could see, Sean, where I know they announced it as a parting of the ways. John Harbaugh said that you know they had a an hours-long discussion. I could see it being some situation where maybe roman's contention is that they just haven't had the weaponry to to really develop a, a, a passing attack they, they you know they traded away hollywood brown last year um and that he doesn't have the assets to do it or maybe he feels like lamar jackson simply can't do it and i think i could see the team thinking well we won't know Lamar Jackson can't do it unless we at least try it with somebody else. Yeah. You know, they might have all the respect in the world for Greg Roman, but there there's gotta be somebody out there that's gonna attack the problem differently. And it it might be one of those situations where the goldfish can't grow because the the bowl is containing him too well.
2: Harbaugh had a lot to say about Lamar Jackson, we'll get to it in a second. Do you think Greg Roman winds up with another OC job in the NFL, or was there such specificity to what he was doing with Lamar to where it makes him just not a plug and play kind of offensive I,
3: coordinator? There is something about Greg Roman where it feels like he's your best candidate to come in and take an athletic quarterback to a certain level, but that somewhere after that he's not he's not developing further as a, a guy that can do it just from shotgun, you know, yeah. and dissect the defense. Yeah, like I feel
2: like the team that drafts Anthony Richardson from Florida Mm -hmm. if they have an OC opening, like throw Greg Roman with Anthony Richardson and then see if he can create some magic with him, you know, it
3: might be like the best thing for Roman might be some kind of one, two combo where he can work in conjunction with a really good passing game coordinator where I don't, I don't like it when teams do the co-offensive coordinator thing, but I think that if he's the offensive coordinator, but he's got somebody that he's receptive to with the passing game and can really integrate all of it. Then I mean, I mean he had David Cully as his passing game coordinator. I was just one year. looking at uh, dude, I was I mean, just look, googling uh, to make sure that was the case, yeah, like how <laughs> how serious <laughs> I was doing the same thing because i I felt so when I started that sentence, I was like, it can't be right, Did they actually have okay, this is a team that had David Cully as their passing game coordinator, um, and so it's like, okay, what?" What's wrong with the organization here where, okay, you think that Greg Roman might have some limitations, so you give him some help by having David Cully be the passing game coordinator. It's just not. David Cully, a man who admitted at the end of his first season as a head coach that he had just then realized, after decades in the NFL, that sometimes you can get some extra juice in an offense by going up-tempo. That's something that actually happened. That's something that was Uh,
2: said. uh, I looked at it as him evolving in his late 60s, Seth. That's how I I choose. So so what you're saying is you can't really create a total high-octane offense with somebody who embraces this philosophy? If we got to go three
0: and out and punt it, we're good.
2: (laughs) I know what he's saying there,
0: but it's just so funny. It's It's just so funny. The most important thing about football is the football.
2: That's true.
3: The football. The football. The football. Um. Uh, I think so. So, anyway, yeah, I think like he's he's almost he would be great for bringing along a young quarterback while having immediate success and and then integrating that, you know, uh, like what they're doing up in Detroit right now. They do a really good job. They're getting the best out of Jared Goff because they run old school play action, kind of like. What they did when when the Rams were good with Jared Goff it was because they had a really good rushing attack and they could run old school play action yeah. that I, you know no matter how much the analytics, analytics try to tell you that it doesn 't actually matter, it matters in terms of what types of plays you 're running and how, how like what the down and distance is. It helps a guy like Jared Goff a lot to to do old school play action the way they do it, and I think likewise, if they can pair Greg Roman with somebody that can actually integrate the passing game into it. Like it would be really it would be really interesting to see what Greg Roman paired with like a Gary Kubiak would do. That's kind of what Kubiak I wanted I think wanted to do with Mike Sherman his first year here in Houston cuz Sherman was old school in a lot of ways with his some of his offensive ideas and um and it just didn't quite work out, obviously, but it was. Uh, it, it's intriguing.
2: Lamar Jackson will be one of the big stories this offseason, or at least we thought maybe until yesterday. Because boy, John Harbaugh, yeah, he is. Uh, he is still all in on Lamar Jackson. He says Lamar's
4: our quarterback. Lamar Jackson is our quarterback. I mean, he's been our quarterback. Everything we've done in terms of building our offense and building our team, uh, how we think in terms of pre- people and put people around him, is based on this incredible young man and his talent, his ability, and his competitiveness, you know. He and I were talking today, too, and the things about Lamar that, to me, stands out, he's an incredible competitor. I mean, Lamar Jackson, all he wants to do is win at everything he does, you know. Yeah, he's got a lot of talent. He's a very bright guy. He's got a big heart, but he's just a massive competitor. And that's the kind of guys we want to build this team around, guys that love football and guys that love to compete.
2: I'm not going to believe anything until I see what Lamar Jackson's saying about all this.
3: <laughs> you know, like it's, That's this, a good point. This contract Eric, thing <laughs> has been
2: going on way too long for me to go, well, I guess everything's good.
3: <laughs> I guess Eric all- DaCosta, the GM, spoke as well, and yeah. he said that he had, he had talked to Lamar Jackson that day or the day before. Uh, recently, and, yeah. And they've been having conversations during the year. That's where it gets interesting with, to me with the guys who are negotiating their own contracts. Mm-hmm like Lamar Jackson, like Laramie Tunsil, Roquan Smith, who just got a big deal with the Ravens, negotiated his own contract. It's one thing to do it in the offseason. To do it in-season, it just seems so fraught with peril. It's a, I, I admire the guys that can handle it because I think I would just get way too combative or sensitive or, or something. Um, I, don't, I, I think that what I would take from it, Sean, is that I don't think the Ravens have any plans on franchise tagging him for the purpose of trading Lamar Jackson. I think that if they franchise tag him, it's going to be with the idea that they're retaining him. Yeah. So this will be, if, if he does get traded, it'll be like August after all possibilities of being exhausted. I think,
2: um, John Harbaugh also said that, oh, well,
3: wait a second. They can't trade him after a certain date. So mm-hmm. whatever it was, uh, yeah yeah
2: they well they can trade him, but they can't agree to a long term deal after the end of july that's right that's yeah. right, yeah okay. um or middle of July, whatever some date in july um <laughs> thank God,
3: thank God I have you. <laughs>
2: John Harbaugh, like 85% of the time, thank you.
3: Me doing a solo show would be like, hold on, everybody. Three minutes. I got to double check. I got to fact check what I just said. <laughs> I got
2: to Wikipedia.
3: Everybody just hold on. I'm Wikipedia go- <laughs> franchise tag. Okay? Don't spin that dial. I'm Wiki <laughs> <laughs> Don't touch that dial. Coming up next, Seth will be, still be searching for something on the internet. <laughs>
2: uh, here's John Harbaugh saying Lamar Jackson is going to have input on the next offensive coordinator.
4: We leave that era. Kinda, you know, we move into the next era now in terms of our offense, and uh, and I did I did ask Lamar about it, you know, and, and he will be involved in it, you know. I'll keep him abreast of what's going on, and I'm sure he'll have some input along the way, uh, but I know his focus, like he told me, is going to be on getting himself ready and getting his guys ready, you know, for next season.
2: All right, so Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, I guess. I guess back with Baltimore next year. We'll see. I, I got to hear from Lamar. <clears throat> I need he, tweets from Lamar. That's what I he need. Did,
3: well, he did tweet out a couple things. Like shortly after it was announced that Greg Roman was leaving, this is, this is a very cryptic one because he quote tweeted uh, a pastor of some sort where he said, financially, I'm going to win. This is a pastor saying this. Financially, I'm going to win. Career-wise, I'm going to win. Mentally, I'm going to win. Emotionally, I'm going to win physically i 'm going to win i don 't know what kind of a pastor this is, um, but uh, Lamar seems kind of very aggressive concerned with earthly success <laughs> <Yeah>. so, <laughs> that's a church I can get behind keep, on the eye, keep your eye on the prize, everybody. <laughs> okay. We got like seventy years here, yeah. but an eternity afterwards. so uh, Lamar Jackson just did prayer hands and then a little rocket ship okay. so it's either about it 's either about spirituality, yeah. his football career. And based on Pastor West's tweet, that sounds a lot like career-type stuff. Yeah. Um, or it's about crypto. So I have no idea. It's <laughs> a so one in three chance that he's happy that Greg Roman left.
2: Oh man, we got we still have people weighing in on where they were when the Texans blew the lead in Kansas City. Trailer wheel and frame text page seven eight six eight. I was at the game talking mad bleep, and I left with <laughs> and I left with said bleep on my face.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there were so many. There were so many Chiefs fans <laughs> here.
2: This <laughs> dude. The two, the two things about that game. The two things about not not the game this year. The game. The playoff game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were trailing at halftime of a game. They were leading twenty-four nothing. They were trailing at halftime, and the Chiefs ran out of gunpowder to shoot off the fireworks.
3: Yeah, <laughs> they ran they literally out of fireworks. ran out of gunpowder, which is a shame because if we're if we were. If we were actually battling them, that would have been our chance. Yes. You know, we would have withstood the barrage enough that we would have been like, they're reloading. Yeah. Get the attack now. Attack. But unfortunately, this was not a real war. Right. This was a fake war. It was a, a fake war with helmets yeah. and
2: shoulder pads. Yes. And a pigskin. And a football. Where the most important thing is
3: it, the football. It was like we were at the Alamo and all of a sudden, but you realize the Mexican army was out of gunpowder. Um <laughs> That's what it could have been. it could have been but instead it ended up like the actual Alamo right, yeah. right. It
2: did did it ever
3: yeah. uh, okay so well, this is much less heroic
2: actually a good a good segue uh here because we just you know, just kind of highlighting man this is where it all started to spin out of control the playoffs this weekend. there's eight teams left in the playoffs. I think there are sources of optimism in these divisional oh, yeah. round
3: games. Hell yeah. For Texan fans. Hell yeah, yeah. Not to mention there's the coordinator bowl. That's right. Three, three candidates for the Texans head coaching job will be facing off. Let's, in chop, the
2: let's chop it up next about that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. How
0: powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage.